Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today, it is the 8th of July, 2022. And on today's show, we are joined by Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington. Talk all things Nationals, trade rumors, Juan Soto rumors, Juan Soto's defense, all that and more coming up on the show. You are Locked On Nationals. Your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today's show is brought to you all by Sports Card Investor, the best place to get involved in sports cards if you're looking to get into that sort of thing all right matt wyrick is here from nbc sports washington matt how was your little vacay to the beach was it refreshing was it nice do you feel good yeah it was definitely much needed just getting some sun getting out on the beach first time in like a year and a half i was able to do that so up in rehoboth they do it great up there uh really had a great time and now i'm back and ready to watch some nationals uh stretch run to the trade deadline play here yeah, so, uh, you know, this is something that obviously we've all been talking about, the the rumors about trades, who could go. Really, the, the big one, let's start with Juan Soto. So this is not a trade thing, but there were some rumors last week that he had received a contract extension offer. Um, I forgot what the exact dollar figure was. I had it. What, what was, do you remember what the rumor was? I'm well, totally it was kind of disputed, but over $400 yes. million. So... Then Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post says, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that was not the case, but he did say that there was another contract offer that was on the table. Right. So, um, you know, it's really funny because last time this happened and Soto turned one down, everybody fired at the trade machine. Right. And now it's second one. And you're seeing less of that because you know what? This is how negotiations work. Right. Uh, for a guy like this, the first offer probably not going to work. Second offer probably not going to work. Third or fourth might not even work. And it's not one of those things where, you know, I don't think we're even close to either side becoming frustrated because one, they've got over two years to figure this thing out, right? If they got a, they got a while to figure this thing out. Um, and also because, you know, it's like, once again, like this is, this is going to be one of the largest contracts in major league baseball history is not just a sign seal delivered type situation, is it? No, absolutely not. And, you know, the Scott Boris way is to not counter make counter offers. So we're going to be seeing just the Nationals kind of making these one sided offers and Soto either rejecting it or eventually signing it. So that's kind of how this negotiation, if you can even call it a negotiation process, is going to go. It's going to be the Nationals basically bidding against themselves until they reach an amount that is happy that makes Soto and Boris happy. Uh, so what I, my understanding is right now is the Nationals have made two official offers, at least two official offers, I should say. Uh, the first for $350 million and the second for $400 million. The latest offer came back in, uh, which is actually when Scott Boris was at Nationals Park uh, for that Dodgers series uh, where several of his clients were on both sides. Uh, evidently, there were some negotiations that went on there. Um, and Soto is willing to sign an extension. He would like to stay in D.C. It seems like he's he's open to that idea. He said at the start of the year he was taking things year by year uh, with an eye on free agency. But it does seem like 
you know, he could be open to staying here if they can re reach the right figures. So uh, certainly seems like there's momentum towards a deal. I, I don't know if it's necessarily in the near future, but uh, with the Nationals uh, sale potentially happening before the owners meeting in November, uh, we could be seeing Soto getting signed before then if it is the, the learner's, you know, hell-bet intention to sign him before completing a sale. Yeah, and this is something that we've been, we've been just following. I just you know nothing new, right? Though we we have not heard anything new since the last week, kind of back and forth. It's weird. These things, unlike the NBA and NFL, can sometimes be a bit more public. This has been pretty quiet behind closed doors. I feel like definitely, and you know, I think yeah, like you said, I think this is kind of the baseball way, just not really leaking too much. Um, certainly from the the Boris side, especially. All right, so let's look at uh, a tweet that you had earlier in the week. This is about. Juan Soto's defense, and you'd mentioned a play that had happened in the, let's see, this is yesterday's game, yeah. Um, so up against the wall, I mean, like embarrassing is I think the word I would use for this one. This is not not uh, commiserate of the, of the kind of player that he is, but you've noted that he StatCast pegs him at minus seven outs above average this year, tied for the, the fewest among outfielders. What's going on out there with him? Because this is a guy that had even said to us, or said to the media, I should say, that one of his goals was to you know, steal bases, and I think the other one was become a gold glover in the outfield. We know he's got the he has got the the intangibles to do so. The defense, though, has just not been great. Now I have to say this across the board, it hasn't been great, but you know, and I think that's something that can affect I mean it does affect everybody normally. Like like the Baseball defense is never really an individual thing, much like football. It's not really an individual thing in baseball defense. It's got to be guys working together. Do you think it's a little bit of that kind of rubbing off on them, maybe a lack of focus out there? Because it feels like not everybody's always focused uh, 100%. What do you think it is that's causing these defensive lapses right now for Juan Soto? Yeah, the, the two guys that he's tied with for minus seven outs above average this year, one, Andrew Vaughn, who is you know with the White Sox, really a first baseman playing corner outfield by necessity because Jose Abreu was there and Nick Castellanos, who kind of was universally touted as the worst outfielder in yes. baseball signed to be a DH and only playing in the outfield because Harper uh, hurt his elbow and couldn't play right field. So the fact that Soto is tied with two of those guys, is certainly not a good sign. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it might be a lack of focus. I think, you know, he, he plays very deep and he really mm. just seems to be misreading balls. Uh, up against the wall when he's playing deep he's giving himself plenty of time to make these reads but ultimately you know they, they seem to be you know just missing them I've seen him multiple times this year making leaping grabs at the wall and, and just completely whiffing on it and including the play uh, that was in that tweet there so uh, you know for me it, he played a pretty good left field uh, it was actually a gold glove candidate uh, back in 2019 I believe uh, and now the last two years, you know, last year he wasn't terrible. He was actually above average defensively, kind of seemed like he was taking a step forward in that regard. And this year seems to be a complete step back. So I don't know if it's a lack of focus. I don't know if he just needs to really work on his, his reading of, of fly balls, but certainly it hasn't produced strong results. And it's actually kind of been a deficiency there in right field. All right, let's take a quick break. Then we'll hit on some other trade type uh, nuggets as we move forward, today's show though is brought to you by our friends at Sports Card Investor. Uh, you guys, if you want to get in on sports cards, the best place to go is Sports Card Investor. Whether you're a casual card collector looking for excitement or an alternative investment opportunity, the free Sports Card Investor app has something for you. As players like Adley Rushman and Jeremy Pena make the jump to the big leagues, you can use the free Sports Card Investor app to check the prices and buy 
their first baseball cards now. So download the Sports Card Investor app today. It's available free in the Google Play and app stores. Or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. That's sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. All right, so the one the one guy that we've seen some interest in, and look, I uh, I think Josh Bell to the Mets makes a lot of sense. But the one guy that we do know that that the Mets are interested in, or at least we heard reports about they're, they're interested in, is Nelson Cruz. So this was always going to happen eventually. You knew it would probably come around. Uh, kind of revisiting an earlier thing that you and I touched on this season before you talk about you know potential inning spots and does this make sense, whatever. Is there any downside, you think, to trading Nelson Cruz? Obviously, we know the relationship with him and Juan Soto is strong. Is there a downside? Would there be a cost there? Or do you think Juan knows, hey, this is part of the business. We got to sign a guy like this to you know get some return, hopefully. Yeah, I think when Cruz signed with the Nationals, you know, back in March, they knew that this was going to be at least plausible to happen. You know, Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez certainly talked about wanting to compete for a playoff spot uh, coming into the year. But I, I think everybody knew, you know, behind closed doors that this team probably wasn't going to be playing in October. And uh, right. so with Cruz, you know, uh, when he signed, he had the opportunity to sign with some contenders, but he chose the Nationals. You know, and I'm part to hit with Juan Soto. I think that was a part of it, you know, to forge that relationship. They, they certainly know each other uh, from years past and working charity events, Dominican public, things like that. Uh, but also because Cruz knew that, uh, you know, if he was on a bad team, he could get traded to a good team and actually have a potential better chance uh, of making the playoffs and, and completing, you know, a World Series run uh, as opposed to picking a team at the start of the season. Uh, to then have to you know kind of roll the dice and see if that particular team would go all the way. So uh, he'll he was likely to be traded. I don't think the Nationals or anybody in that clubhouse would be surprised to see it happen. It certainly seems like you know from conversations I've had with players that is where the clubhouse knows things are headed. Uh, so it's more of just kind of like wait and see as to where they end up, and you know then we'll we'll see who gets opportunities after that. So what kind of what kind of return do you think the Nationals are looking for from a guy like a Nelson Cruz? Because, you know, there's there's two guys who are kind of the big time rentals here. It'd be Cruz and it'd be Bell. What kind of return do you think a guy like Nelson Cruz could manufacture? And do you think it's kind of about drumming? You know, is this a guy you sit on till later in the deadline until maybe some other things shift and, and teams are hunting and, you know, maybe dry up the price? Somebody gets desperate. What kind of uh, negotiating tactics do you feel here? And also, what kind of return do you think the Nationals are looking for? Uh, being a prospect kind of player, et cetera. Yeah, you know, I think Cruz is going to be dangled for, you know, his recent production. The last, you know, six weeks, seven weeks or so, he's been much better than he was at the start of the year. So his overall numbers really aren't that pretty. Uh, but he's certainly been better lately. He offers right-handed pop off the bench, though. He hasn't been hitting for as much power, you know, as he has in years past. Right. I do think that that's a bit fluky. You know, we see him hit the ball really, really hard. He's had a lot of balls die at the warning track this year. Uh, it, you know, some people might be saying he seems like he's at the end of the line. I think we could still see a Nelson Cruz-esque power surge at some point, just as his exit below is still there. Um, and also very veteran leadership, you know, somebody who can you know come into a clubhouse and really uh, help bring a commanding presence. So, you know, I think those are all things the Nationals could dangle uh, as potential uh, assets that, that Nelson Cruz could bring. As far as a return goes, 
you know, uh, the, the Twins set the bar high getting their opening day starter, Joe Ryan, uh, in exchange for Cruz last year from, in that trade with the Rays. I don't, I don't think, think we're seeing that again. I don't think we're seeing that again. Um, you know, he, Cruz is a year older. And like I said, the power hasn't been there. So I don't think they're going to get necessarily anything crazy for him. And, and honestly, I think if I'm the Nationals, I'm looking to get more of a lottery ticket as opposed to like a fourth outfielder, you know, in AAA. Right. You know, you can trade him for a guy who's going to be in the majors quickly. And that's kind of what the Nationals did last year was trade for. I believe like 70% of the guys they acquired were, you know, double A or higher, really close to the majors. Uh, this year, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if Cruz is flipped for a guy who might be down in single A, but, you know, could carry some crazy potential. You know, like what comes to mind uh, with how well O'Neill Cruz has been playing was Tony Watson uh, was traded by the Pirates. Just, you know, setup man, you know, veteran guy, uh, back of the bullpen asset, but they trade him for a 19-year-old O'Neill Cruz, uh, somebody who they love the tools, they love the makeup. You know, maybe in a few years down the line, it works out. And, and sure enough, it did. So, you know, I think that's something more along the lines we could see kind of like uh, the trade for Kyle Schwarber last year when they got Aldo mm. Ramirez, which Jesse Doggerty just reported that he had Tommy John this year, which is unfortunate, but still a, a young guy in their system, someone that, you know, you know the way, way he throws could be, you know, a potential game changer down the line. And, and then let's move on to Josh Bell. I mean, I, I think, you know, if so if I'm the Nationals and I'm trading Josh Bell, to the, I'm just, for example, the Mets, like the, the one thing I'd say is like, all right, you have to give me dominate Dom Smith is what I, what I want back, you know, at least like something like that. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think people's mileage might be different on this, but this guy to me is so valuable because of what he does. And I'm going to tell you like the Mets, you know, I, I need a bat like that. I need somebody I can bring in and maybe DH hit from both sides of the plate. You know, I know that some people think they need a corner outfielder, but you had mentioned this, you know, the, the Nats were pretty, um, they were pretty, you know, reserved with the idea. They didn't really want to trade Scherzer or a guy like a Trey Turner to the, um, to the Mets. What about a guy like a Josh Bell though? Do you think that's somebody they'd be, they'd be willing to part ways with for the right, you know, the right price? I don't know if the Mets would make a lot of sense for the national standpoint, just because like, uh, you know, there's no emotional attachment with the side to a World Series like there was with Trey and, and Max. Yes. Uh, but Bell is the guy for the Nationals, right? Like you, when they're when you go to a, the park right now, you're going to see Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Uh, and, and for him to be traded to the Mets, I think that would sting just a little bit, especially because a lot of fans have clamored for the Nationals to sign Bell to an extension. Right. Uh, I think that's a very popular sentiment among fans is that he's a guy that they'd like to see stick around for a long time. And it doesn't seem like the nationals are trending that way. So if they trade him to the Mets, you know, not only is it, Oh, we're trading away another good player, but also now we're going to see the Mets with Max Scherzer as their you know, starting pitcher, uh, have Josh Bell be one of their best hitters and the two of them potentially lead the Mets to a title. I feel like that would sting a little bit more than say trading Nelson Cruz to the we Mets. Gotta, we got to remove that, right? We got to we got to make the move that makes the most business sense. Well, here's the thing. I would trade him to the Mets if the Mets are willing to pay the tax of being a, a division rival, you know, acquiring Josh Bell. You're going right. to have to pay more than any other team if you ask me. If you want to if you really want to get Josh Bell, you've got to be willing to shell out the prospect capital. Whether that mean Pete Crow Armstrong, who you know is a top 100 prospect, I don't expect the Nationals to get a top 100 they, prospect they, in this. But last year, I believe, right in the um, yeah, they got they traded him. Bias trade. I forget which trade. Yes. Bias trade. Yeah. Um. So 
you know, he, he's somebody that, you know, really stands out to me. I, I don't know. I just, I really think that if you are going to trade Bell to the Mets, you've got to get a slam dunk package. Uh, but ultimately, Bell is the top bat available on the market. And I don't, like I said, I don't expect the Nationals to get a top 100 prospect in return for him because he's a rental and you, you just don't see that kind of return anymore. But they're with what, who's the next bat available? Brandon Drury. I mean, you know, right. all respect to him. He's probably an all star this year because he's been the best player in the Reds. But, you know, Bell has clearly been the, the best hitter that's that's likely to be available. And I think Mike Rizzo is as well equipped as any GM to turn that to his advantage. So uh, he could pull some some wizardry, you know, out of his back pocket. He's certainly done it before. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny you mentioned like any time in a conversation, like hey, you're trading for an all-star. It's like in baseball, we gotta slow down with the all-star. Josh Bell's actually like all-star worthy. So, you know, if you were you know, attaching that moniker to him is not anything. But like the the Brandon Jury one, that's a great point, right? It's, this is it's not like he's not an all-star, all-star the way that uh, you know that that we think about it. Um, all right, let's take one more quick break and we'll touch on some things that happened recently, including Josiah Gray, our guy. What an outing for him the other night in Philadelphia. Today's show is brought to you by Bill Barger to built.com today. It's built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. They've got the new coconut brownie chunk puff, which is delicious. Good. It's good for you. Once again, built.com today, promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15 for 15% off your first purchase. So, the other day, uh, Matt, we tremendous, tremendous response from one Josiah Gray. And this is something that you and I had talked about a whole lot, like the learning process, the maturation. I mean, we saw it for him to respond from a, a bad start that he had in one outing that goes to the next start and absolutely lights it up. So against Miami, 10 hits, six runs, all six were earned. Uh, homered, two walks and six Ks. Then goes out, six innings, four hits, two runs, two homers. But 11 strikeouts, career high, another 100 pitch outing for him. And so, uh, you know, and, and he led the Nationals and got that win in a really close game. And, um, you know, like pitching that kind of game, that kind of environment against a team like the Phillies is a really good lineup like the Phillies. Like that's the kind of stuff, you know, those are the kind of outings that you picture down the line, right? When your team is, you know, fighting, you know, let's just say the Nationals are in the Phillies shoes, right? Down the line. Having a guy like a Josiah Gray and go out there, you know, when you're in a playoff chase and you're trying to be in a, you know, play, a playoff spot in July and just can go out there and get a good lineup and can carry you like that and, and you know, respond after a bad. I mean, this is the stuff that we love to see. This is what you and I are talking about. And every single time we talk, it seems like, you know, we're not, we're not just raving about him. Oh, great outing, great outing. No, it's the response to the bad outings. He keeps giving us something different to like each time out there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that, one thing to really point to as, as far as optimism for the future is in Josiah Gray starts this year, the Nationals are 500. I mean, this is a team that is, you know, fighting for a bottom five pick in the MLB draft next year, and they're 500 and Josiah Gray starts. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Eight and eight this year. You know, he is putting them in positions to win more than anybody else on this pitching staff. And, you know, he had a great month of June, obviously gets shelled out by Miami and, and then he bounces back and, and has this great outing here sets a new career high in strikeouts and really had that fastball slider combination working really well uh, and in that slider it's something I want to key in on this year it has the lowest average exit below of any pitcher slider in baseball that's really impressive and it's not just because of the pitch it's because the fastball sets it up really well uh, and has just it's been missing bats it's got a really high strikeout rate uh, with that slider it's a great two pitch weapon for him his expected statistics per stat cast 
all top five expected batting average, expected on base, expected slug, top five for that pitch. It has been one of the best sliders in baseball this year in producing weak contact and missing bats. And that's really, these are the kind of things that you really wanted to see out of Gray this year. And honestly, I think he's exceeded all expectations for this season. You know, the Nationals wanted to see him take a step forward, you know, limit the home runs, uh, you know, get that run prevention down a little bit. But he is showing the stuff. Uh, of a potential ace for this staff. And I think the Nationals have to be ecstatic from what they've seen from them so far this year. Well, and on the slider too, I mean, we talked about the home runs, right? Having that pitch that's going to generate weak content. You know, a lot of people think about the sliders a lot of times just a swing and miss pitch. But also for a guy that's giving up a lot of home runs, it's great to see that the contact, you know, it's the, the numbers aren't very good there, right? Yeah, no, I mean, he gives up the home runs. They come on fastballs. Yeah, they, uh, they, almost exclusively. It's exclusively high. It feels like they're all high, high fastballs. It's just like middle middle up usually is, it feels like is where it goes. Because he's got the, the Max Scherzer moxie with his fastball yes. where he's like, you know what, this is my best stuff, and if you hit it, so be it. You know, uh, that's something I've talked to him at length about this year is that he's willing to give up a couple home runs as long as they're solo shots, you know, and he's not walking guys. He's not putting too many guys on base. You know, he wants to keep that whip down. And if he, he gives up the occasional home run, you know, he can live with that. I mean, even Mac, Davey Martinez said, you know, if, if Kyle Schwarber hits two solo shots and that's the only damage the Phillies do against him, he'll definitely take that. You know, that's just Schwarber's going to do what Schwarber does. If you can dominate the rest of the Phillies lineup like that, you know, I think that this Philadelphia team has to be put on notice here with Josiah Gray and, and being in this division for a long time. Yeah, I, I like I like the fact that like we know what his strengths and, and weaknesses are. Like it's and it's great because he's so young. It's identifiable. And look, you know, I think there. I mean, I hate the idea like this is just who he is. But like I think the fastball thing it's, it might just end up being who he is a little bit. There are some ways to adjust it, but I think that's going to end up being who he is. And now it might be all right. Can we spot a little bit better? You know, can we make sure we locate it against certain guys a little better? Maybe we pick and choose our spots with who we're challenging at certain times, right? We can't just challenge everybody because I mean that's Max did the same thing too. You know, Max Max would try to challenge everybody and worked out a lot of times. It got burned too, but um, yeah, like I think it's pretty nice that we have like an identity for him too. Yeah, no, I mean if you want the slider and the curveball to work low and away, you need to set up the high fastball in order to change eye level. It's just the only way you're going to make those pitches as effective as they are, and if the slider is going to end up being, you know, one of the better weapons in baseball and the curveball, which has been pretty effective against lefties this year, uh, you know, turns into a really good third pitch, you know, so what if he gives up a couple home runs, you know, that's, he's a fly ball pitcher anyway, you know, he's going to live and die by, by those fly balls. And if he can keep the exit velos down, fewer of them are going to be going out and, and he's going to be an effective pitcher. All right. So let's take a look at the weekend of the nationals. They go and play the very good, Atlanta Braves, Atlanta trying to get themselves within that three game, uh, you know, threshold before they play the Mets this coming week. Uh, it, was, it was kind of the week turn, when it turns over, they'll play them. The Nats right now, I like set it up, Matt. They are 30 and 55, a 353 winning percentage, 23 games back of the New York Mets. They are 19 and a half back of the Braves, 14 and 31 at home. 16 and 24 away. They have a minus 130 run differential. They've lost one. That's the streak right now. They're three and seven in their last 10. All right. So this weekend in Atlanta, when you're playing good teams, these teams look to take advantage of you. I mean, honestly, you know, it's 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 weird to think. Like, I think it's a team like the Braves just won the World Series. A team that is fully aware of how important series are like this. You know, these really good teams do a very good job of focusing on the bad teams they play because they know that these are the games that can sometimes swing playoff. It's it's not the Mets versus the Braves sometimes, right? You, you get very few 
Mets Nationals 2015 series, right? Or um, I'm trying to think about this. It's 20 was 2019 when it looked like things were kind of going, I think it was 2019, when it looked like things were kind of going the Mets way and the Nationals put their foot down on that one Sunday afternoon and kind of stopped them. I think it was 2019. They stopped the momentum and they were able to you know, keep on keeping on. Like you don't get a ton of, like you don't get a ton of those or you put yourself in position on those with series like this. So the Nationals be prepared against Charlie Morton, against Kyle Wright, and then also against uh, Ian Anderson, Fetty Corbin, and Espino on the hill. What are you looking for this weekend from the Nats against the Braves? Yeah, you know, the Nationals have kind of been the division punching bag this year. They are 7-30 and 30 <laughs> against the NL East, uh, which is pretty awful. I mean, they're 23-25 and 25 against the rest of the league. So, I mean, I guess you can take that. Uh, as some consolation there, but you've got to be built to to beat your division opponents, and the Nationals don't appear to be built that way. Uh, you know, with this this Braves pitching staff has been really coming alive this year. It got off to a bit of a slow start. There were some injuries. You know, Spencer Strider, who they're going to miss in this series, has been phenomenal. It was uh, twelve potential. Ks last night? Yeah, in first nine outs, he recorded first nine outs strikeouts. For strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, he's. He's somebody that you got to keep an eye on. Michael Harris. I mean, this, this Braves organization is, you know, they're doing it like the Dodgers and they're just keep producing all of this young talent uh, that, that's seemingly coming up and making an impact. So I think they're right on the, the Mets heels here. You know, like you said, they, they play the, the New York next. So this is going to be a big series for them to get some momentum going into that. You know, the Braves have beat up on the Nationals so far. So uh, you, you got to take your runs when you can get them, you know, try to score early you know, jump on these, these starting pitchers, get to that bullpen. Cause I do think the Braves bullpen is their weakest link right now. Uh, if you can get to them early, you know, force guys like Tyler Matzik and, and Will Smith to, to get out of the gate a little bit earlier uh, then maybe the Braves would like to, you know, that might be your key uh, to getting a win, but uh, work that those pitches. Don't, don't be overly aggressive. You know, the nationals are a first pitch swinging team that has kind of been their MO this year is swinging early in counts uh, is where actually some of their best numbers have been produced. Uh, but also th they've been really bad about working in two strike counts. So trying to, to avoid falling down 0-2, 1-2, you know, getting those deeper counts with more balls. I think that's going to be the big key uh, in this series. And, and then if the pitching, you know, if Corbin and Fetty and Espino, who, you know, are all coming off of solid starts, uh, can, you know, continue that, uh, you know, we'll see if, if they can, you know, keep the Nationals in the game. Yeah, I, and I'm looking at Patrick Corbin, right? Back-to-back -back really good starts for him, all right? Which hopefully doesn't mean he's due for the the quarter. I bunker. know. Well, that's that's you know, you're, you're just like you kind of you you wish it was like the Reds, right? That was coming up next, as opposed to the Braves, who have just been yeah. so good recently. Um, but I mean, finger. So I, I keep having this joke, Matt. I want to know your thoughts on this. Like, what would constitute you being like? All right, Patrick Corbin's back. Like, okay, I, I, I'm comfortable now. I hate doing like the Texas back thing, but like, what what would what would make you be like? All right, this. This is your piss to Patrick Corbin. It's like, how many, how many months would you do this? I was like, I'm not even sure two months would do it for me. Yeah, I was, I was trying to, to come up with the shortest number. It was like, oh, you know, six weeks. No, more like eight weeks. Ah, that, that even feels a little short. I think, I think, you know, if, if he had a, a stretch where he had like 10 good starts in 12 or 13 start stretch, I think that would maybe start to convince me. Uh, you know, the peripherals for me are, are important too. you know, what's the slider looking like? What's is his uh, are his RPMs, you know, high up on it compared to previous seasons? Um, you know, is the fastball locating well, things like that. I don't think it necessarily is just about the results, but also the process, uh, you know, his, his 
delivery has also like kind of varied from year to year. So I'd like to see some consistency there. You know, where's his release point at? That, that's something that uh, I know Fangraphs has pointed out in the past as to a potential issue for him. His higher release point has led to more home runs, maybe keeping the ball down a little bit there. Um, you know, is his location down in the zone more consistently? Because when he leaves balls up, I mean, they are hit loud and far. Uh, so, you know, it's a variety of factors for me, but certainly I, I think we'd have to go a couple months of him, you know, returning to form, so to say, so to speak, uh, before we really start to say Corbin is back. Yeah, it's it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bit. Uh, but good opportunity this weekend. Really good opportunity this weekend, tell you that. Uh, all right, Matt, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yep, uh, I'm on Twitter at ByMattWire, and you can check out all of my written work over at NBCSportsWashington.com. All right, Matt Weirich from NBC Sports Washington. We appreciate your time every single week. Of course. Thanks, Josh.